0: It's Wednesday night, and we're, I'm, I've been off for some months, but I'm going
1: to go back where I left off back seven months ago. I'm going to talk about Peter some more. Peter is uh, one of the characters of the Bible that we're most like. You and I are most like Peter. We're not like Paul. We are going to have a hard time attaining that position with Christ. Why was Peter and Paul so much unalike? Let me tell you why I believe this because peter was a fisherman a simple man with a simple life and all he knew was what he had learned up in
0: galilee if this is if this is israel if that's israel shaped
1: something like that and this is the mediterranean sea and right here in northern galilee is the Sea of Galilee they said it was shaped like a womb and it meant a womb then off of the Sea of Galilee flows a a, the river flows all the way down that is the Jordan River Sea of Galilee it flows all the way down to the Dead Sea now the reason it's called the Dead Sea is because it was full of salt it had the same character as the sea out in utah uh the salt sea and you can sit down in it and float because of the buoyancy of the water you can just sit in it but it has no fish in it because it's full of salt and they'd all die well during the time of jesus uh israel was divided into southern judah which was two southern tribes it was the tribe
0: of judah and the tribe of Benjamin of course Judah was the fourth son
1: of of Jacob or of Israel Jacob's name was changed to Israel in the 32nd chapter of Genesis and then northern Israel was comprised of ten tribes
0: ten tribes and they were led by the tribe of Ephraim And Ephraim had the,
1: he had the inheritance of Israel. Ephraim was the second born son of Joseph. And you can find the story of Ephraim and his brother Manasseh, who was the first born. God did not bless Manasseh. He blessed Ephraim, the second born, just like he blessed a lot of the second borns. Abel was the second born. Jacob was the second king of Israel and, uh, excuse me, second born excuse me, David was the second king of Israel, he had all these second borns that had received blessing well Peter was a fisherman fisherman on the sea of Galilee now Galilee uh, there's another name for all this area up here was called Galilee uh, the northern Israel Northern Israel had several titles. Northern Israel. Northern Israel, after the split and after the death of uh, all these patriarchs, Northern Israel was referred to as Israel. So you've got to determine where you are in the Bible to know whether Israel is Israel or Northern Israel. It, all, it was also called Samaria. All of these are titles for northern Israel, Samaria, and there were other titles along the way, Ephraim or Joseph. Long after Joseph is dead, when God splits the kingdom, you'll see the Bible saying, speaking of Joseph, it's talking about northern Israel. If it says Jacob, Jacob's name was Israel. If it's speaking of Jacob, it means the whole nation of Israel the, the ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes but Ephraim received the blessing he received the inheritance and it's very important to learn this as you're reading after especially after Israel is scattered all over the earth and the tribes are split up into all different peoples uh, when Samaria is referred to it's up here the Bible is saying, the first chapter of Micah, what was the, the breach or what was the sin of, of, of Jacob? It says, what was the sin? Let me show you that. Because this is a good way
0: to see this. In Micah. Micah. Jose, Joel, Amos, Obediah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Okay.
1: Back over here. Michael will say. Verse 5. For the. What? Oh. Chapter 1. Verse 5. For the transgression of Jacob is this. Jacob is all 12 tribes. Here's the transgression of Jacob. Jacob is all 12 tribes. How did Israel get so messed up with all of this sun and tree worship, how did it happen? Well, he says right here, what is the transgression of Jacob? The transgression of Jacob is all this. For the sins of the house of Israel, the entire nation, what is the transgression of Jacob or all of Israel? Is it not northern Israel, Samaria? Isn't that where all the fall of Jacob started? How would it be northern Israel? Northern Israel had all these kings. And one of the kings was Ahab. And he got to fooling around. His castle was up here in way in northern Israel around Mount Carmel. Way up in northern Israel. Mount Carmel. And right above that was the castle just across the border
0: was the castle of Ethbaal. And he had a daughter named Jezebel. And, and
1: probably at some party one night, uh, Ahab was over here kind of making friends with the people in northern
0: north of Israel. That is the land of Tyre, or Sidon. And we call it Lebanon today. Another ancient name for Tyre and Sidon was Phoenicia. So anytime in history you're reading about Phoenicia, it's talking about Tyre and Sidon.
1: And this was one of the centers of sun and tree worship. Sun and tree worship. Where did they get their sun and tree worship? Way over here on the Euphrates River, headed down to the Persian Gulf, was the place called Babylon. Babylon. So whenever you see the leader of the Babylonian fire and tree worship, fire and tree worship, the last great evil, wicked king of Babylon was Belshazzar. And he is compared with Satan himself, with Satan himself in that Isaiah the 14th chapter, Isaiah 14. Belshazzar is called that... He's uh, said of himself that he wanted to ascend above the Most High, and uh, Belshazzar was the wicked king of fire worship over here, and uh, the wicked man over here was Ethbaal, and he was the prince of Tyre, and you find the story of him in Ezekiel the in Ezekiel the. Uh, uh, 28th chapter he was the anointed cherub that covereth and Tyre was a little island right right off the coast how did the the man who was trying to conquer all the world at the time that he was uh, here uh, was Alexander the Great he brought his army in here and the Bible says in the 28th chapter of Ezekiel that that the Prince of Dyer dwelt in the midst of the seas. Well, he was in the middle of the seas because there's no way to get out there. So Alexander the Great built a bridge, a rock bridge out there and went in there and conquered them. So that's actually historically true. Well, when you get over here in Babylon, you have Lucifer. And Lucifer is not about the devil. It's about... Belshazzar was referred to when you look at the earlier part I believe it's the 4th verse of that chapter 14 or 6th verse it says that this is a proverb against the king of Babylon and it's about the fall of Belshazzar now how did we get there we were talking about Peter was from during the days of Jesus Jesus called his apostles Peter wasn't the first one called. Matthew was called. Andrew was called. Andrew went to Peter and said, we found the Messiah. Evidently, they were looking for him because they knew t- enough time had passed. Peter was up from up here in Galilee. The 11 apostles was from Galilee, this area. Galilee was looked upon as a place of sleaze and slime as far as the Pharisees were concerned. And Nazareth was right up here, just below, just southwest of Galilee. You can see it right here. It's in the land of Zebulun. Nazareth was right here in this area, right here. Jesus moved his headquarters where he was going to work from over here to just the northern Galilean coast at a place called Capernaum just on the north side that's why his first converts were these sleazy low class low down fishermen they were looked upon as nothing see the Pharisees were the most educated people in Israel and they had all of their business was down here in southern Judah at the temple in. but the temple was not in Judah The temple was in the land of Benjamin. Look at Do y'all notice this? Here's the land of Benjamin. This is the way Joshua divided it all up when he came in, in the book of Joshua. And notice that Jerusalem is not in Judah. It's in the land of Benjamin. Where would the temple be and where would the Ark of the Covenant be? In the temple. This is why, in all probability, that God put Benjamin with Judah to be the southern kingdom. I have my own belief about why Simeon was put down here. I believe it because he was so rebellious that God is going to surround him with Judah and say, we will keep you in check. Because he was a... Simeon was certainly a... When people say, whenever you quote, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son. And whenever you get into chapter 9 of Romans... Uh, when the Bible says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And people say, that was talking about nations. What? Are you kidding? There was nobody more wicked in Israel than Simeon. He was conniving and underhanded, he went out to kill uh, his enemies, which his his enemies here in Israel, he don't want to go into the story, but he went out and murdered them, set him up for the kill, and God put a curse upon Simeon in that forty chapter of Genesis because he was such an underhanded
0: man. Well down here's the land of Edom. That Edom Edom comes from Adam and it means red.
1: So when the Bible says, Esau have I hated, this is the land of Esau. Well, people will come up and say, well, that's talking about nations. Are you kidding? Before Israel became a nation, Simeon involved in all kinds of murder and underhandedness. And before they became a nation, the Bible doesn't say Nations have I loved, it says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil. Now, let's go back over here. I'm going to look at some of the characteristics of Peter. I want us to go back through something I've read before. Peter is very famous for having said some great things in the Bible. Look over here in Matthew
0: 16. Matthew 16. Matthew the 16th chapter Peter was very unstable when
1: God called him he was uh, he was just a fisherman not an educated man you remember we said that they had a different dialect
0: Of what they called the Corne language, cornay is the word common,
1: and they had a different dialect in every city state. a city state was like a capital city of an area. When you went from uh Israel up here to Galatia they'd have a that'd have a different dialect of that language. That's why when they said in Acts two, how here we ever meant in our own tongue when we were born. How here we were men in our own dialectos when we were born, in our own dialect wherein we were born, and people ignore that when they're teaching on that goofy tongues thing. There, now, where was I? I was going to tell you something here. All right. Now, Southern Judah, they had the
0: Pharisees down here in the temple. Up here in northern Israel, they had what they called a Sumerian dialect of the Greek, of the Greek
1: dialectos or koine, common that street language. They had a Sumerian dialect up here. Down here in the temple, they had a different dialect down here. Now, a lot of people that lived up here, they would uh, come to the temple down here, or they could speak. A lot of them would learn this dialect and this dialect. But you couldn't learn hundreds of dialects, which were across the world. When the Lord told the guys, there were 11 of them, 11 of the apostles were from up in this area. One was from down here
0: among the elite. And who was that? Judah. Or not Judah. Judas.
1: Judas was an educated, his father was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee when your father was a Pharisee. So, these guys in southern Judah wouldn't talk to these people up there. They wouldn't set foot in northern Israel. They said this is the most filthy land in the world and that nothing was worse than being from Nazareth. When they said Jesus of Nazareth, they didn't say Jesus of Nazareth, the Honorable Man. They said Jesus of (coughs) Nazareth. They hated Nazareth, spit the words out of their mouth. So the 11 apostles from up here, Judas is from down here, and his father was a Pharisee. We'll go into that later. Now, when Peter comes down to Judah at the very end of the Gospels, and he's warming his hands around the fire of the enemy as they're trying Jesus on the inside of what's called the pavement. The pavement was the judging place where Pilate would judge people. And he stood by the fire warming himself. And the woman said, You're one of those apostles of his. And he cursed and went, I am not blankety-blank. She said, I can tell you are because your speech betrayeth thee. I can hear that dialect you're using from northern Galilee. Everything has a meaning. you got to go into the meanings. Now what I want to do it's just give you some of the things that Peter said and did. You'll hear Matthew 16, and we went through this last time when I pulled off about seven months ago. Matthew 16 and verse 23. 16, 23. Let's read a little bit before that. Verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how did he must go into Jerusalem talking about the end of his life and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes? Then he had to be killed and be raised again the third day. There's another illustration of the third day. He couldn't have been he couldn't have been resurrected on the fourth day from the days in the tomb. He couldn't have sat in the tomb seventy-two hours, three days and three nights. That was a saying. It wasn't a literal time, because he will be raised the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke Jesus, saying, now this is one of the comical things that Peter did. Peter, this is one of the first places he put his foot in his mouth all the way up to his knee. Peter said, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. That's funny to me because immediately after this, what is he doing here with Jesus? What's he doing? He is A R N E O M A I. That's the word deny, and that means to contradict. If he's contradicting Jesus, is he contradicting him? Yeah, he said that's not going to happen to you. Be it far from you. No, that ain't going to happen, so he's denying Christ. you know what he has become, according to first john three twenty two He has become anti or two twenty two He that denieth Christ is antichrist. he's not the Antichrist. when you deny the words of God, you're antichrist. Peter was temporarily an antichrist. He turned and said unto Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan." It didn't mean Peter was full of Satan. Satan is the word Satanas. It means adversary. Get behind me! You are my adversary. I just said I have to go to Jerusalem. You're saying they're contradicting me. Get thee behind me, Satan! Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest the things that savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then Jesus turns around and tells Peter, says, You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows twice. I'll get to that later. Now, now let's look at Mark eight.
0: So he's denying Christ there, isn't he? Mark eight, thirty-three. All right, Mark eight. These are things that Get thee
1: behind me, Satan! Was words that were said to Peter, but he didn't have the devil in him. He had self in him. He was simply contradicting Christ. Mark eight thirty-three. These are words of of
0: Peter. Eight thirty-three. All right. The same thing happened, starts
1: in verse 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took Jesus and rebuked him. I think we've done that too as baby believers, haven't we? Haven't we said, oh, no, no. I don't have to go through these trials. I don't have to go through this tribulation. I don't have to be in the narrow way. No, I'll be a good Christian. I just won't cuss, smoke, and chew, go with the girls that do, and I'll be a good Christian. You can't be a good Christian doing that, doing nothing. But when he had turned about and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get, thou, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Now, I wanna look I want to look at something that Peter did, and I'm gonna kind of skip around here and show you something. Look over here in Luke eight. You have to play these things one against the other. Notice I'm giving you at least two, or sometimes you can get three places where one of these events happen in the Gospels. In the Gospels you've got to show one thing against another. Look here in Luke eight.
0: Luke the eighth chapter. Luke 8, verse 45. And Jesus said, well,
1: wait a minute, we've got we to back up before that. And a woman, verse 43, and a woman having an issue, an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians try to be cured, neither could be hailed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. What was she thinking? That's a good question. And immediately her issue
0: of blood staunched, or it stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me?
1: When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude is all around you and press against thee. And you're saying, Who touched me? They're touching you on every side. Something spiritual happened here with this woman. Let's look and see. And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. He knew somebody was believing what was it that what is this that went out of him the word virtue is the word dunamis dunamis has gone out of me look back over here at mark see what this was let me go ahead and read verse 47 48 when the woman saw that she was not hid he came trembling and falling down before him she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, who are our brothers and sisters and our sons and our daughters? It's those who do the will of the Father. Jesus would not have called her daughter if she had been an unbeliever. Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy
0: faith has made thee whole. Sozo, go in peace. Let me tell you
1: something about sozo. It does mean to be taken from one point to another
0: point. But you had to have faith in Jesus to
1: be a candidate for one that he would make physically whole. You could not be cured or cleansed of any disease unless you were one of his elect but he didn't heal all of the people uh, he didn't heal everybody he come across that was sick didn't do that in fact you've got I'll go there in a minute I got so many places to go now virtue went out of him you know what went out of him? belief in the resurrection went out of him go over here to Romans the first chapter Romans the first chapter
0: we've been talking about the gospel and the resurrection on Sunday
1: morning I want you to look at this real close whenever I study I study like everything is a part of a great mathematical equation and it is and this is one of those equations here I should have taught on this on Sunday morning with these last few Sundays but I'll go ahead and give it to you now Paul says in verse 16. Verse chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel. Now we've already stated that the gospel. The beginning of the gospel was prepare you the way of the Lord. That's what Mark the first chapter says. Prepare the way. And the way is narrow. There's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way. Narrow way, few people find the narrow way and many are going into the broad way that leads to destruction. So the gospel is preparing the way. So Paul is saying, and you have the, the broad way, and that leads to destruction and many go in that way. Many are going to the broad way, going to hell, meaning only a few people are going the narrow way, and that's the only way to heaven. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few will find it. Now, that's Matthew 7, 13, 14. Now, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That word power, gospel equals power power. The word power is the word D-U-N-A-M-I-S. The gospel is the dunamis, the same thing the woman Christ felt go out of him. He felt the gospel go out of him in a sense because that was the dunamis. Now, let me show you another place. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and all those Greek. Go back to Mark 9. Here's a part of this equation.
0: Mark nine. So if he felt
1: the if he felt the dunamis go out of him, he's feeling the gospel or the way. There's somebody touching him that believes in the way. All
0: right. Ninth chapter mark. now, I'm going to read a little bit of this and he came to
1: Capernaum Capernaum is right on the coast, right on the coast of, it's right on the north border of the Sea of Galilee, right up here he moved his headquarters from Nazareth to Capernaum and that's where he worked from in his ministry Capernaum
0: then 9 and verse, where was I? 33 All right. He came to Capernaum. Being in the
1: house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? By the road, the highway. That's the word hodos. That's talking about a literal way that they were walking. But they held their peace by the way they had disputed among themselves. Who is going to be the greatest? And he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto him, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all. Boy, that's a good lesson for us, isn't it? You always want to be first, you want the biggest hamburger, you want the biggest cookie, you want you wanna be like you want to act like you're four years old, adults. I want the biggest and the best. (laughs) Mary's always cooking. And she'll cook two items. She cooked two pieces of fish today. And her, that thing, she's got that oven, cooks it without grease in it. And she always looks at it and says, this is the biggest and puts it in my plate. Always. (laughs) She thinks I have to have the biggest. I don't care. If any man desire to be first, he's going to be last and the servant of all. That's another story in itself. And that's what we're supposed to be. Not first, God says, "If you bring yourself in last, I'll lift you up, and he took a child and set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to him, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me but him that sent me, but He called the believers children or babes in other chapters in Luke the ninth chapter or the 10th chapter, he called believers babes. He's revealed it unto babes, that's us. And John would say, Oh, little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he would call God's people children. We're the children. We have to become like the little children. In the 18th chapter of Matthew, you cannot be first and be a good Christian. You got to be last. That's why the people that run these races and win the Super Bowl and win the NBA uh, trophy and win the ball the uh, the ball game trophy, they're all first, and they don't care about the loser over there. They shouldn't take the trophy to the loser. They should take it to the and that came in last place. And Jesus answered and saying, "Master," or John answered and saying. Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he doesn't follow us. He's not a part of us. And we forbade him because he followeth not us. And Jesus said, Forbid him not. For there is no man which can do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. That word miracle there is the word dunamis. Nobody can preach the gospel. Preach the dunamis. He doesn't have to be running with us. He's with us. He's a part of us. If he goes out and says the truth, people I have left here and gotten mad at me. I look at the camera and say, "If you'll tell the truth, you want to preach the gospel contentiously. That's be between you and God. But it matters not, like Paul said, as long as the gospel is preached. So preach the gospel, okay? That's all that matters." preach the truth now i want us to go over here we're kind of looking at peter and the things that he's saying and he's doing look over here in luke we've already looked at luke the eighth chapter luke eight i may have to come back and refer to that go
0: over to go over to uh Mark the fifth chapter. Mark
1: five. And this is a sister chapter. You got these sister chapters all through the Gospels. You have to learn to compare one with the other. Now remember, in Luke the eighth chapter, Jesus said, Virtue has gone out of me. What I believe it was was belief in the resurrection and the gospel. She was looking for a Messiah. You have to understand something. These people all knew about the 70 weeks of Daniel. They knew all the prophecies of the Old Testament. They were expecting the Messiah at this time. They were expecting him to appear on the scene at some time here within the lifetime of Jesus. They just didn't recognize him when he came. Now, look here in Mark, the fifth chapter. I'll get to it in a minute.
0: Mark 5. All right. Mark 5 is another parallel
1: story of the same woman in Luke 8, where Jesus said, I perceive that virtue or the resurrection or the belief in the gospel's gone out of me. Because why would he feel one person when all the people are pressing up against him? Well, he was God. He knew when somebody was believing and when they weren't. Now, look back here in verse 25 of chapter 5 of Mark. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood, 12 years, she's had a menstrual cycle that it was just gone haywire on her. And she didn't stop. She must have been miserable had suffered many things of many physicians, they couldn't heal her, had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. That's when he said, I feel virtue has gone out of me over there in Luke 8. For she said, if I may but touch but his clothes, I shall be so-so. I do not believe when they were pressing up against him and a person believed that he could heal them, they were not an unbeliever. Only believers in Jesus would believe they could be healed. Otherwise, they would look at him like the Pharisees did and say, He's a Pharisee, or he's a Samaritan, or he's, he's a filthy man, and you don't need to listen to him. They made all kinds of stories up about him. Let's read the rest of this. She said, "If I may touch the clothes, I shall be saved." They were looking for a Messiah. They knew. Why were they looking for a Messiah? Why? Well, because they were being ruled by Rome over here. There's the boot of men. Here's Rome. What's well, a terrible boot of Italy, isn't it? I drew it over here because
0: it's far away from Israel. Rome they're they're being ruled by Rome
1: now Rome would allow you to have your own rulers they would allow everybody in the world they would allow Egypt to have their own rulers and they would allow people over in Babylon to have their rulers and you could rule as long as you didn't get out of line if you got out of line they would send the legions of Rome to come in and crush
0: you so they called themselves kings of kings that's what the romans called themselves that's what the babylonians called
1: themselves that's what the all the rulers of the world call themselves kings of kings and when jesus comes back in that 19th chapter of Revelation, he's got up on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. What he's doing is slapping all these people in the head and saying, I'm the King of kings. Nobody but me. Now, that's why they had this attitude. They sang. They knew the Messiah's prophecies of Old Testament were. It was time for the Messiah to be there. And they were all looking for him. And this woman, they wanted to be delivered from this Roman oppression here in northern Galilee, in northern Galilee, at one point, uh look at look at Luke thirteen real quick in northern Galilee, in verse one, there was present at that season. Some that told him that the Galileans whose whose blood Pilate had mingled with their own sacrifices. Up here in northern Israel, Pilate had gone up here and killed some of these people up here and mingled their blood with the blood of their sacrifices. They were tired of being ruled by a bunch of barbarian Romans. Pilate was not... A king, he was a governor representing the Roman Empire over here in Israel. Jesus answering said, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no. But except you repent, you will all likewise perish, the same way they did on their altars when they were offered on their altars by Pilate.
0: Now back over here to Mark. Mark the fifth chapter,
1: and we were reading about this woman. If I can touch, but his clothes, I'll be delivered. So, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. That's because she was a believer in Jesus, not because he, she believed he was going to heal her. She believed in Jesus, and when you touched. A living God, which was Christ, in that time, especially if you touched him reaching out for the Messiah, she believed he was the Messiah. All these crowds were following him because they believed that. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, dunamis, turned him you know what i believe it was exactly the gospel of the resurrection that she was believing in that's how it went out of him into her but not all the rest of the people were touching him about the press the pressure and said who touched my clothes his disciples said thou seest the multitude thronging then you're saying who touched me everybody's touching you Well, what a God that would know when somebody touched him, they were believing in him. And he could, his mind knew it. How did he know it? He was God. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, she knew something had happened to her. Came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, "Daughter, thy faith has made thee sozo. Now go in peace and be whole of thy plague." And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogues, house certain which said, "Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master?" And he comes up and heals this. He would heal, but what was his healing for? Was he it for the huh? Show, that who he was. show who he was that's all it was for look over here in Acts the, first, the second chapter all the miracles for will prove who he was they did have nothing to do with the people he healed
0: Acts second chapter <clears throat> Acts 2 all right
1: Peter's here's Peter again preaching at Pentecost God must have favored Peter a lot Jesus must have he had him preaching to the Jews here at Pentecost and preaching to the Gentiles in Acts 10 Peter actually opened the door and had the keys to the kingdom of heaven but we have them too now look here at Acts 2 Verse twenty-one: It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is this is a a phrase that's just saying that the, that all the word whosoever is just pass, and it is that this all that call upon the Lord shall be saved. But in the Old Testament, only the Jews could call upon God he's the only one that they had the lineage of Adam all the way down through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all of their descendants the 12 tribes of Israel could be saved God blinded the eyes of the Jews then when it gets to in the New Testament he's whosoever is a reference to the Gentiles the Gentiles can call upon God and be saved but they can't call on him unless they believe in him how shall they call on him whom they've not believed? Then he goes on to say here in verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. This is Peter preaching. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved apodignumi. Apo D-E-I-K-N-U-M-I. Apodignumi means one who is revealed he's shown he's being revealed to the world and tells you this is how of God among you by miracles that word miracle is the word dunamis through the resurrection through the dunamis Jesus is being revealed and through wonders teras
0: t-e-r-a-s T E R A S. It means prodigies. A child prodigy is one that is brilliant. It means through the
1: brilliance of the miracles that he brings about and through signs. Simeon. Remember we talked about Simeon? The Jews came seeking a sign there in matthew the 16th chapter and jesus told the pharisees there'll be no sign given to you but the sign of the prophet jonah that was after three days and three nights jonah was in the belly of the fish and he was resurrected the third day resurrection will be your only sign and that is the gospel and that is the dunamis from now on you don't have any signs except that and people will say but the Bible says tongues are for signs. Well, that's right. That's over in the fourteenth chapter of First Corinthians. Tongues are for a sign. Look at that real quick, because you have got to tie that with this. God, did, he went and said, God did by him and the rest of you as ye yourselves know. So all these were to reveal Christ. And over here in First Corinthians, the fourteenth chapter, well, without knowing what Corinth was about and where it was located you can't even interpret this chapter because you do not have in Acts in Acts 2 you've got Glossa foreign languages and dialectos you had dialects of the Corne and foreign languages in Acts 2 but in 1 Corinthians 14 all you have is glossa. why foreign languages only because Corinth was on the was right in the center of the world you can put a Corinth right here there's a little land bridge there that goes down here to this little hand like things down here that's and uh and Corinth was the center of the world and all the ships went through there and all the tradesmen came through there and they all speak in different glossa and God says, I don't want anybody coming in to the church here at Corinth where it's not interpreted. I would rather hear five words in a language to be understood, the ten thousand words in an unknown gloss of foreign language it has nothing to do with Pentecostalism. It has to do with where they were located. And then he says over here in First Corinthians fourteen. 1 Corinthians fourteen. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Here it is, and he says here this will reveal something about Acts 2. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues, in verse 21, with men of other glossa and other lips, will I speak unto this people, Israel, Israel, and for all this they will not hear me. That is in the 28th chapter of Isaiah. Look at that real quick. Isaiah 28 chapter. You really have to learn. To understand the Bible, you're going to learn a little bit about all of it. 28 chapter of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is preaching all through Isaiah. He's talking about.
0: Well, let me get this straight with you. Isaiah is preaching about. Isaiah is preaching about the destruction of northern Israel at the hands of the Assyrians. And you can see that attack on. Northern Israel you can see it in in second Kings seventeenth chapter, and you can see portions of it in the
1: eighteenth and nineteenth chapter. by the time you get to the
0: nineteenth chapter, the Assyrian king Sennacherib. When he comes down to attack northern Israel, after he gets to
1: destroying northern Israel, he says, I'm going to go on down and I'm going to attack southern Judah. And God says, you think you are? I ain't going to put up with that. Because it's not time for southern Judah to fall. They haven't completely gotten off in all this Baal and Grove worship totally. So God puts a stop to Sennacherib
0: and Shalmaneser, Shalmaneser, and the guy who kind of all started it was
1: uh, not Nebo but uh, gosh these words uh, he was another king I can't think of it He's liable to come to me and these kings over a 10 year period from 732 to 722 uh, Sennacherib was the last king to come in and he says I'll go in here and destroy southern Judah as long as I'm out to do this and God says no you're not and that's where he has Isaiah the prophet to meet with Hezekiah the king of southern Judah and he says uh, you can go ahead and go home and go to bed god says i've got this taken care of and that night that night all of all of the assyrian king's armies were camped outside jerusalem and the entire force of the world was out there <clears throat> and going to attack jerusalem this little sleepy israel town And God says, Hezekiah is a nervous wreck. (laughs) Hezekiah is the king and Isaiah is the prophet. And he goes to Isaiah and says, what are we going to do? And Isaiah prays to the Lord. He says, you can go home and go to bed. Everything's going to be fine. There's, um, we don't know how many men out there, but there were hundreds of thousands of them. So that night, God sent the death angel down in the camp of Sennacherib or Shalmanazer, and he sent the death angel and killed 185,000 men and the king woke up and saw these dead men out there that was his army and he took off and went back home and his family assassinated him when he got back there you can't attack God's people and get by with it now he says here I'm going to show you this quickly because this is important and, law, and the Lord is written, with many other tongues and other lips while I speak unto this people. That has to do with the Assyrian king coming down in Isaiah, the 28th chapter. This whole chapter in Isaiah is talking about the Assyrian kings coming in and attacking northern Israel. What did we say another name for northern Israel
0: was? Samaria. Huh? Samaria. Samaria? That's true. I want to keep on saying
1: Ephraim. Ephraim yeah Ephraim was another name for northern Israel at this point point. and look what it says in the very first verse woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim it's not talking about literal drugs it's talking about they have mixed the reason gosh I went all this just to say the Pharisees hated northern Israel because when all of this happened with Assyria, when Assyria comes in and finally conquers Northern Israel, here's why the this is why the Pharisees hated Samaria so much. When they come in and they literally conquer northern Israel in that seventeenth chapter they come in and intermarry with the people in northern Israel. And what they do is they bring their Assyrian sun and tree gods and goddesses, bring them in and install them alongside the worship of Jehovah in northern Israel. So they've got a mixed religion in northern Israel during the time of the Pharisees. This is why the Pharisees hate northern Israel. Just despise them. They wouldn't be found dead up there. They won't put a foot in northern Israel. And this will tell you why. When Jesus would come down to southern Judah, he wouldn't break any of the laws. He would keep Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering. Ingathering and notice. When he would do all those rituals... He'd come down to the temple, which is right on the border of northern Israel. Look. Here's Benjamin. See Benjamin? There's Jerusalem. Can you see that? And here's the border of northern Israel right there into the land of Ephraim. And the Pharisees wouldn't step foot in the land of Ephraim. No possible way. They think that's the most filthy place in the world. Because it has such a mixed religion. But so did they.
0: Didn't they? Let's see if I can find someplace here. Here's the land of. There's Ephraim here. Jerusalem is right here. Right
1: in there. Is the land of. Ephraim. <laughs> And Jerusalem is in the land of Ephraim. You leave Jerusalem, when Jesus would be down here at the feasts, stirring up the Pharisees, correcting them, calling them down, all he had to do was step. The crowd was so heavy, the writer of the compendium says there could have been 12 million people there during any of these feasts. Where were they staying? That was just a little bitty town. You could go outside Jerusalem and see them for miles, tents, and they'd come here from all over the world. And it was so crowded, they say in the compendia, these were devout men, Jews from every nation under heaven, because they were given those laws in Exodus, the 23rd chapter, that all the males had to come back. So is Jesus going to break that law? Not on your life. He's not. Who is manipulating the minds of these people to stay out of his way? (laughs) I think that was God, wasn't it? So they stayed out of his way. And when he comes to Jerusalem to these feasts, all he does is have to walk, I don't know, a mile or two to be back in the land of Ephraim in the Samaritan area where the Pharisees would not step foot. They, they considered that Pharisees were the supposed to be the priests of God but they weren't and so they were trying to live by their own law and they're not going to go into Samaria no way remember Jesus went to the well of Samaria in the fourth chapter of John and he tells that woman at the well she is a Samaritan woman you didn't talk to a Samaritan when you were from southern Judah. That was like that's like being down in the depths of uh of uh Mississippi in the fifties and top stopping talking to a black woman. You didn't do that. Which that's disgusting, but that's what they that's what it was like. He didn't talk to that, and he looked at that woman and said, I'll give you living water. He was at the well of Jacob, and the well of Jacob was a deep well in northern Israel. And they called living water all that flowing water underground in those underground rivers, and it was cold water. They knew that's where they could get a cup of cold water. That's why if you give a person a cup of cold water, you'll not lose your reward. There in that last verse of the 10th chapter of Matthew. Well, if you give them a cup of cold water, you're giving them living water. But it wasn't talking about a literal living water out of a mountain stream, out of one of them undergrounds. Jesus told her, I'll give you living water and you'll never thirst again. She said, how can you give me living water? The well is very deep, and I noticed you didn't bring any rope or anything to draw with. He said, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spiritual water. And he said to her, you worship, you know not what, because half of your worship is Assyrian, and half is from Israel, and you got this mixed-up religion. That's what you got in the churches today, Baptist and Pentecostal. you got a mixed religion. He said, you don't even know what you're worshiping. The time will come you'll worship God in spirit and in truth, and it won't be all these rituals that you've been performing. Now, where was I? All right. In this 28th, we're talking about that verse. And the Lord is written with men of other tongues and other lips when I speak unto this people. It is referenced from the 28th chapter of Isaiah Woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of northern Israel who have mixed their religion with the Assyrians. That's why the Pharisees hated them so. It was like it was their fault even though it happened hundreds of years before, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys, and them that overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which which as a tempest of hail and destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down the earth with the, the hand. It's talking about the attacking of northern Israel, by the Assyrians, because he goes on to say that later on, in fact, if you look at isaiah Isaiah eight and seven, it'll tell you about this
0: Isaiah eight and seven Eight and seven talking about flooding waters, like it's talking about
1: what well, overflowing waters is of a flood is talking about that how God's going to destroy Israel, and the flood will not be waters, it will be the Assyrians attacking. And over here in, in Isaiah 8 and 7, Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon Israel the waters of a river strong and many, even the king of Assyria. So he's not talking about a flood of waters, he's talking about a flood of armies. It'll be the Assyrians. So we've established that the 28th chapter of, in Isaiah, the whole book is talking about God destroying northern Israel and the Gentiles being called his people by another name, if you can keep a hold of that. Then he says, the crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, spiritual drunkards, shall be trodden under feet by the Assyrians. And then they'll intermarry their religion in with northern Israel. And later on, hundreds of years later, the Pharisees are going to hate northern Israel for that. That's why they hated Jesus. That's, all this goes together. That's why they called Jesus a Samaritan because he was raised in Nazareth. That they didn't know he was born in Judea, in Bethlehem. And Jesus is not going to explain it to them either. And the glorious beauty, which is the head of the fat valley, shall be a fading flower. He's talking about the riches of northern Israel and all of its crops. It's going to become a fading flower. And as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up before the fruit is ripe. Is what he's saying. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a glory of, crown of glory. And for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people, notice his people possessive, and for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, for strength in them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. They're out of the hodos, out of the direct, which is the same word in the Old Testament as hodos in the new, D-E-R-E-K. And the priest and prophet have erred. The priest and prophet of Israel. Have erred by going after Baal in the grove. They are swallowed up of wine. Spiritual drunkenness. Mixing God with Baal in the grove. On the same day they went down to offer offerings to Molech. And you'll find this in the 23rd chapter of Ezekiel. On the same day they'd go offering... Offer a sacrifice to God in the temple. Same day. Notice I can't get on one subject. It will take me to a dozen others. And they err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness. What in the world does that mean? The table of the Lord in Ezekiel, the
0: 41st chapter, was the altar of God was the altar
1: all this has a meaning you can't just take it and run away
0: from it the table of God that's the altar that altar was where the
1: priests, the Levites would go up to the altar Here's the other tables. The, tables, the tables show bread, the incense, the Ark of the Covenant, and the candlesticks. The, the priests of God would offer offerings on that, depending on what the offering was. When they were on duty, they would eat of that, that altar, and that was called the table of the Lord. But the Bible says those tables were full of vomit. They're full of vomit because God says, I'll vomit it up when you offer a bad offering. For all the tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean in Israel. What does he mean by that? Look at at Malachi, the last chapter. Malachi. I got off Peter here. I didn't mean to.
0: Look at Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. My last book. Malachi. And Malachi is preaching against
1: Israel's apostasy, going after all of these gods. And they were supposed to... Israel was... The Bible tells us that they could not. They had to march their cattle, their sheep to a gate, and every tenth one belonged to God. It don't matter if it was your favorite. If it was your favorite sheep and you called him Fluffy... Fluffy had to be offered on the altar to God when he came up number 10. God said, it's mine. Don't you offer any less than Fluffy
0: to me on this cat. She dies. And she's your pet sheep. Ooh, tell Mary she has to offer up that little dog of hers. Man, you
1: can't do that. And here's what he says in Malachi, the first chapter. I'll read starting in verse six A son honoreth his father, a servant his master, if then I am your father, where's my honor? God says And if I be a master, where is the fear you're supposed to have of me? You don't act like you fear nothing, you've gone after here after all these gods and offered sacrifices to Moloch, and you haven't even given me the best sheep, the one that came up number ten. You put Fluffy in the line, and then you grabbed her out and substituted a crippled sheep for it. That's what he says. Set the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? You offer a polluted bread upon my altar. And you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? That in you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible when you don't offer the right offering. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is that not evil? You come up and say, we're not going to offer fluffy. We're going to put this blind sheep in there that's old and ready to die. He said, I'm not going to have that. The whole point was they were not being obedient to God and keeping all of his laws and all of his rituals that he commanded them to do. And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? They would say, well, this one's sick. He's going to die anyway. Stick it in there as number 10. A tenth belonged to the Levites. Now unto the governor, will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? I'll tell you what you do. Instead of paying your taxes, write to the governor and say, I'm going to send you $10. Does that make you happy? How you? Will that be all right? I can afford $10. Tell the governor, that's what he's saying. Tell the government. Now let's go back over to the twenty-eight. This has to do with that fourteenth chapter of First Corinthians. You can't preach one of it without preaching the other. Then he says, in the twenty-eighth chapter, he says, The Assyrians are going to come against you. All the tables there, verse eight, are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Whom shall God teach knowledge? Who's going to, how's God going to teach northern Israel knowledge and to, to learn not to behave themselves? And whom shall he make to understand his instruction, doctrine, Musar. Same word as didache in the New Testament, M-U-W-C-A-R. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. He said, you're supposed to be eating meat and you can't even drink milk. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line up on line, line up on line. Here are a little bit of beatings and there are a little bit of whippings. This K. Arthur comes up, I got a precept ministry. Well I'm sorry, that's not what this is talking about. Precept upon precept lineup on line here a little, there a little. It's not talking about I'm gonna teach a little over here, a little over here. God says, come here, Assyrian war chariots, go in there and whip them, cut them to the ground. How about for a little here and a little there and precept? It wasn't because the next verse says so. The next verse is a reference, is that reference verse from 1 Corinthians 14. Next verse. For with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto this people Israel. Now let me read that verse over in 1 Corinthians 14. I turned away from him. This is what it's referring to.
0: In the law it is written. Isaiah is in the law. In the law it is written with men of other tongues,
1: with other gloss and other lips, while I speak unto this people, yet for all that they will not hear me. What does he say over there in the 28th chapter of Of Isaiah. With stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto Israel. Stammering lips is talking about those war chariots coming, and that word stammering is the word Laeg. L A E G. Laeg means a foreign language. The reason it says stammering lips is because that Hebrew or that Aramaic tongue of the Assyrians and the Babylonians was a dialect of was a dialect of Hebrew, and when them war chariots are coming and those guys with those horses and those chariots whipping Israel, running over them, cutting them down, they could hear them yelling in the in their language. And it sounded like a stuttering of Hebrew. That's what the scholars tell us. It sounded like a jagged sounding of Hebrew. That's why it says, the line upon line and precept on precept. Now, a little lesson here, a little lesson there. That's not it, Kay. It's talking about those Assyrian war chariots coming in and slaughtering northern Israel. And then he goes on to say, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. I'm cutting them down with the Assyrian war chairs. That's why he tells the woman, you worship, you know not what. You've you got all this mixture of Assyrian fire and tree worship in northern Israel, and the Pharisees won't step foot up here, and they're hypocrites because they got the halakha
0: down south. Can you see the difference in it? But the word of the Lord was uh, was unto them,
1: unto Israel, precept from a precept. <coughs> precept uh, means an injunction or a command. Those were Syrian war chariots. You know what they were. God says, "You won't to listen to me. I'll take my belt off, and you will listen to this." You ever done that to you kids? Huh? You will listen to this. God says, this is my belt, the Assyrian war church. You will hear this. That's the whole reason the Pharisees hated northern Israel. Because they had a mixture of Jehovah and Assyrian sun and tree worship. But they had the
0: Alakon down south. None of them were doing right, were they? Is this too many...
1: Too much history to understand all of a sudden. So all this chapter is about in the 28th chapter, the whole book of Isaiah is talking about the Gentiles coming to the light because God's going to cut off Israel and he's going to use the Assyrian war chariots to do it with. And then he goes on down here and says, Well, for hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men. (sighs) Scorn means to interpret for yourself means they deride God, they don't say the truth, they don't believe God, they never have. They went for 500 years without believing God, and they kept going to all these gods. So Isaiah is pronouncing judgment just like Jeremiah. Jeremiah pronounced judgment to southern Judah. I started earlier to say Isaiah pronounced the judgment of the Assyrians to northern Israel. And Jeremiah is pronouncing the judgment of God to southern Judah, or southern Israel. Jeremiah preached for 40 years. Isaiah preached for 50 years. Preaching to the nation of Israel. What's amazing to me is because Israel went after the sun god and the tree gods, and that's the same system that Constantine brought in the church and renamed Christmas. And if God would destroy Israel this way for doing this, You think he wants us to do it? And I challenge John MacArthur to sit down with me and let me say this to him. Because he knows Christmas is pagan. He just will not take a stand for it because he would run off most of those 10,000 people he has on Sunday morning from his church. And he would cut off the sale of his books in all these bookstores. John, you know the truth. You should be ashamed of yourself. I know he knows the truth. And then he goes on to say... Hear the word of the Lord, verse 14. You scornful men that rule this people, which is in Jerusalem. He's not talking about foreign people. He's talking about a serious coming in and crushing Israel because all the priests and the kings of Israel are going after all these idol gods. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death. And with hell we are in agreement. What's he talking about? With hell, right southeast of Jerusalem right southeast was the valley of Tophet that was a picture of hell where they offered sacrifices to Moloch offered their children to Moloch in these fires and you can read that in the 30th chapter of Isaiah and we made a covenant with hell when the overflowing scourge that word overflowing scourge means it's it's talking about of Syria coming in is the overflowing scourge. It's just like the overflowing flood in earlier in the chapter. Pass through, and it shall come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge. This is Israel talking. We made lies our refuge. Do you have any time, Mike? Huh? Let's keep reading here. And have made lies our refuge. You think those were lies that Ahab introduced into Israel, into Northern Israel? And started this pollution of northern Israel. And then, after so many years, God says, I'm going to call in the Assyrians. Look
0: here. Let me show you here. I keep saying these things, but I want you to understand it. All right. Northern Israel. Well, that's not a good picture to show it. If I can find it. Find one. Let me just put it like this. The Tigris River
1: runs up in northern Iraq. The Euphrates runs in southern Iraq. And they meet about 100 miles north of the Persian Gulf. The capital of Assyria, which read all up in here... This was the Armenia up here. That was was Assyria. And southern Judah was all down here. Or southern, not Judah, but southern Babylon was all down in here. They were basically the same system. But northern Israel was carried away captive by the Assyrian Empire, which the, the capital city was a place that we call Baghdad, or it was called Nineveh back then, that's why Jonah went and preached to Nineveh. It was about the Assyrian just corruption. The reason Jonah got angry because God didn't destroy Assyria because they were a bunch of barbarian heathens. He probably had many friends and family that were slaughtered and killed by them. Remember, the, the Assyrians were the Caucasians. <laughs> Caucasians got nothing in nothing their past to be proud of. Nothing. And so was the southern Babylonians. They were Caucasians. The Caucasus Mountains run between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. They were the same thing as Gog. Don't have time to go there. Now, let's read the rest of this. In this, so he said, we made a covenant with hell or with Moloch. And... uh, Verse 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes upon him, and that cornerstone is Christ, shall not make haste or worry or hurry or try to outrun the Assyrians. You'll just leave everything alone and settle down. Judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. A plummet was a plumb line. God says, I will measure out what is righteous and what is not with my plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies. All this is very figurative language. And the water shall overflow the hiding place. If anyone tries to hide from the Assyrians, you're not going to get away from them. It's amazing how God speaks in this idiomatic language but he does and your covenant with death shall be disannulled I will stop that and are your agreement with hell and will not stand when the overflowing scourge and that is the Assyrians shall pass through then you shall be trodden down with this overflowing scourge of Syria and those kings won't pity you at all If anyone was barbaric, it was the Assyrian-Caucasian hordes. Before them were the Scythians, and they were just unbelievably barbaric. They killed with every kind of method and torture you could think of. The Scythians wouldn't put up with nothing from nobody. They predated the Assyrians. The Assyrians invented all of these American-Indian ways of torture, burying a man up to his neck in the desert and... Pouring honey over the top of his head, and then putting fire ants on him, and let him sting him to death. They invented the scalping. They invented putting a man out in the desert and stretching a wet raw hide over his neck, and walk away from him until it dried and it strangled him slowly. The Assyrians were Caucasians. I kept saying, the last Assyrian to destroy Israel was a man named adolf hitler was the last man to to destroy the jews he to kill six 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 million from the time that it goeth forth it shall take you for morning by morning it shall pass over by day and night and it shall be a vexation only to understand the report or whatever it's heard for the well, i I got so much more to read here. I'm not going to read all this. I'm going to go back over here to those verses in First Corinthians 14. Then he says, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. That's a direct reference to the Assyrians coming in, and they would not hear. They didn't hear any of the chastisement from God when the Babylonian kings came in. When they were slaughtered and carried off into captivity in every system. And he says in verse 22 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe,
0: but to them that believe not. Tongues are a simeon, a flag.
1: What he is saying, you're not going to get any more of those signs like you got in the Old Testament where you can be under a cloud by day and a fire by night and your shoes wouldn't wear out in the wilderness and I would put man on the ground in the morning and doves on the ground in the evening and all these things and you wouldn't be sick, you'll be well, all you have to do is obey me. You'd think that men would get a hold of that, but they don't. So he says, look at Matthew, the 16th chapter. The only sign to the unbeliever
0: Will be spoken in in Glossa Sign or Simeon to unbeliever. And who would be the unbelievers that he's talking about? Gentiles.
1: Exactly. The only signs of the unbeliever will be
0: the sign of Jonah that's that Jonah was in the belly of
1: the fish three days and three nights and that is the
0: gospel that's the resurrection is the resurrection and that's the gospel and that equals equals The power of God unto salvation, or the dunamis. The dunamis.
1: This is the sign in here in Matthew 16. He tells you that very same thing.
0: Matthew 16. Matthew 16, not Matthew 16, yeah, Matthew 16, not Mark 16. I turned to Mark. I couldn't figure
1: out what I was doing there. Matthew 16. And you have to look at these words real close to know what he's talking about. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came tempting Jesus. They weren't asking him information. They were trying to get him, to trick him.
0: Desired him that he would show them a Simeon now remember Jesus was verified
1: by Simeon by Deutamus there in Acts 2.22 and he answered and said unto them "What is evening you Pharisees and Sadducees know it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering Oh, you hypocrites! Your lying hypocrite was a actor on assumed character, and they're acting in front of him like they're interested in something. He said, "Oh, you lying hypocrites, you discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but there shall no sign be given it." Unto them, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. He was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, and then resurrection, wasn't he? It's that simple. And what? So the only sign to the unbelieving Gentiles be the resurrection, and that's what the tongues are for. And in the tongues are for a sign. When tongues were used, they would get the sign to the Gentiles. Peter said, this is that which is spoken up by the prophet Jonah. That in the latter days, the Lord will pour out of his spirit on all flesh, the Gentiles, the red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. That he will come and he will speak to the Gentile. And when he speaks in the tongues, when all these people come back to Jerusalem, all these these Jews from all over the world, they're going to get this message from Peter and what Peter preached at Pentecost
0: was the resurrection or the gospel let's go back over there to Acts the second chapter we're not
1: going to look at the tongues again but we're going to look at what Peter was saying so what he's saying he's going to preach to these Jews That's from every nation under heaven. And when they leave to go back home, they've been scattered all over the world for 500 years. When they go back home, every one of these Jews are going to take this message back in their own dialect wherein they were born, their own tongue. When they go back, they're going to preach to these people in... They're going to preach to people wherever they come from in their dialect because that's what they're going to hear. Preacher, preach... Peter
0: preach in in uh gosh, I don't have time to preach
1: all this, I don't have any time. Speaking of Jesus, verse twenty-three, whom him being delivered by the determinant, by the horizo, counsel of and foreknowledge of God, horizo, pro horizo word predestinate, and that's a past tense verb, so that would be predestinate. The predestinated counsel and knowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Raised up is a picture of resurrection, isn't it? Because it was not possible that He should be holden of death. That's the gospel that Peter is preaching here at Pentecost. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. That word over there in the Old Testament, that's quoted from Psalms 16 and 10. You will not leave my soul in the grave. Neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One, Christ, to see corruption. That's the resurrection. That's the gospel that preached. And Peter's preaching, in, and they're hearing in their own dialect when they were born. The whole purpose of these dialects and tongues is all these Jews will take the message back to the Gentiles. I'm out of time. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life and their will make me the full joy with thy countenance. And he goes on talks about about the resurrection down through here. So when he's preaching these Goss and dialects <laughs> he's preaching the gospel for the benefit of the Gentiles. And I'm out of time. Let's pray. I'll get some more back to Peter next week. We want to... He was such an important figure in... in uh, establishment of Christianity let's pray Father thank you for your truth Lord help us in all that we do give us health Encourage to keep preaching this message give me health
0: give me an understanding about how to look after my health help the church reach out and touch each one of them make them strong in the faith Mature us in your faith. We'll praise you for everything. In Christ's name, amen. Fight our battles for us. We're just getting started on Peter. tomorrow your last day? So you don't have to go to school.
1: You're out of school? Yeah. You are. When do you get to go back?
0: A long time
1: away. Huh? You what? A long time away. It was about about eight weeks. Huh? Two months. About how long? Two months. Two months. I used to be off for three months when I was young. Of course, we didn't have any break in the middle of winter either. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Break in the middle of winter. (laughs) We,
1: out we got off for three months in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> had to go to school all year long. Uh, are you memorizing everything <laughs> that I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> You're not memorizing. Lesson uh, Sunday is 37. Uh, lesson Sunday is 37. No. I gotta get done. To I'm just busting. Yeah, well, tell me something else. What you like to do? You don't like to joke around, do you? <laughs> yeah. There. Oh, yeah. There you go. Thank you. Here we open that for you. Does he preach? Yeah. What's he preach? Here we open. it? Here you go. Here you go. Don't turn away. You want one? to see it. I
0: want one of these. Yes, you do? Okay. it
1: Really? Watermelon. She of that. Really?
0: What? not. You get started I'm going to
1: one, one. anyways. <laughs> 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 Take one, of this. Get of this. <laughs> <laughs> you love her. Now go clean up your mess, Rose. I already cleaned it up. I you Those Clean, uh, I didn't do it my sister took it, do The I pay pay. Pay. You it know, had to wait for the I'd like to make uh trash small trash bags we use your to uh, well, I do you have the baby, a but a substitute. It's just one of I don't Mike, have Mike come come tell you. But when yeah. you get out of the way of home. Yeah, well, well, they're in charge. Well, it's like it. when... Uh, I when, when, uh, keep Here in. In,
0: uh, uh, the a
1: handful of really have Without the permission of Rome. Yeah, uh, they up. Interesting. there in ones in there? The uh, oh,